usually when I'm trying to explain my intentions, it's because my partner's upset. And I think I have this del- delusion that if, if she just sees what I meant, oh my God, she'll immediately get over her upset. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. Why immediately. wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she? Of course, because, because I, I make perfect sense. Exactly. And when you see my sense, you're just, the whole thing will go away. Exactly. Oh, it makes and that me nuts. Never happens that way. It no. never happens that way because we're disconnected in that moment. My partner's feeling disconnected. And here I am trying to bring her back into connection through some logical bypass of what's going on. Of, of she's, ha- she's upset. She's having a, and uh, here we go. Come, we'll bring it full circle. She's having a, f- a feminine expression experience of an emotion that's arising. And I'm trying to meet it with logic, with my logic, with perspective. It's not that I'm wrong, but what I'm doing is not connecting. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Hello. So, heads up, today's episode is a bit unusual in a few ways. Uh, Number one, it's actually a rebroadcast of another podcast that I was recently featured on. The Art of Authenticity, hosted by my friend Laura Ko. And the other way that this uh, episode is a bit unusual is that uh, you, you'll notice from the intro there was a woman's voice present. Now, typically, I reserve this podcast for wisdom conversations amongst men. Now, not because I want to exclude women. God, no. You know, to be straight up with you, the truth is I know far more women that I consider to be wise than I do men. Tragically, I mean, that's why I started this podcast, uh, to bring more uh, access to uh, wisdom from men to men. Uh, in fact, this podcast would probably be a lot easier for me personally to produce if I brought in women um, and I will almost surely do that eventually, but again, that's exactly why I have so far reserved this space for conversations between men, because I believe the world desperately needs more men to be having more of these kinds of real, raw, vulnerable conversations amongst men who've cultivated maturity and depth and insight through real-life experience. But Laura is a brilliant woman and an amazing host of her podcast, and I really enjoyed her ability to conduct Uh, an impactful and insightful conversation around my new book, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. So I decided this would be a perfect way of bringing you deeper into the experience of my new book, including a breakdown of some of its core insights and distinctions. And I highly recommend diving into Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, whether you're a man or a woman in a relationship or single, because you'll learn many of the secrets that should never be secrets to creating exquisite intimacy with another and with yourself too. 
I certainly wish I knew these things 20 years ago. Uh, So much suffering, both for me and for, sadly, many others, could have been averted. And the book is available now on most major book retailers' websites uh, internationally, including Amazon. And you can also find links to buy the book on my website at brianreeves.com slash book. Now, one last thing, the audio is a little funky in places, but I'm just a bit fanatic about these things you might not even notice. So uh, take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of the reprodcast of Laura Coe's Art of Authenticity on this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Welcome to this week's episode of The Art of Authenticity. I'm Laura Coe, your host, and thank you guys so much for tuning in. I have Brian Reeves. Yep, if you've been listening for a long time, that name will sound familiar. He's been on twice. This is his third time. Check out the old episodes. Today, Brian is coming in to share his latest work, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, a guide for your journey through the transformational fires of love and intimacy, seven years worth of works that he has put out to millions and millions and millions of uh, people who follow him. And this book is filled with the stories, the insights, the practical tools, the secrets to helping you on your journey to a thriving relationship in love and intimacy. So you should check out this book. It is filled with just incredible insights over many, many years. Brian is a life and relationship insight ninja. (laughs) Um, He's just a great guy. I adore him. I know you're going to enjoy this show filled with conversations around masculine, feminine energies, what it means to be an intimate relationship, why so many people struggle with intimacy, with love. We all want to know the answers. BrianReeves.com. You can get the book. You can also see everything on my site, lauraco.com. Thanks again. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Hi, Laura. It's going really well. I'm really happy to be here doing this with you again. I always love talking with you. I I love having you on. Uh, This is our, I think, our third round. Uh, I think it's our third, yes. (laughs) So anybody who hasn't checked out the previous episodes, please go back, listen. Brian's one of my absolute favorite people. He talks about masculine, feminine energies. We're going to hit on that today. But the other episodes, you went into some deep dives, so people can check that Mm -hmm. out. Um, So Brian's coming out with his next book, uh, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. I I love it, right? I love that title. Like It's such a provocative idea. We're going to get into that. We're going to jump into it. It's a bunch of essays over seven years, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that he's been building. If you haven't checked out his work, um, we'll have the you know information on his website available after the show in the show notes. But um, there's so many great pieces here, Brian. I like said before we Thank jumped you. on, but I don't even know where to start. I feel like I'm not even doing justice, but I'm going to jump in, get as much information as I can out of you in the hour for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you guys should buy Squeeze the book. Squeeze me, juice me, juice me. <laughs> Just juice me. We're going to juice me for an hour and see what kind of juice we can get out. Uh, I'm in. <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, oh, I want that one too. Oh, I want that one too. I don't know how many yeah. we can get through. But if I um, if I don't get through them all, you guys, you can check it out. Um, 
they're, they're small essays uh, that he's re- released for the last seven years and they're just, they're just filled with gems. So um, I guess, Brian, the first thing I wanted to see if you would do quickly for the audience that yeah. isn't familiar with you, who hasn't seen your work, the masculine to feminine energy thing. Like I'm familiar, you've talked yeah. about it a lot, but maybe you could just do a yeah. quick overview what you mean by that so we can take yeah. liberties as we move forward. Yeah. Yeah, good. No, I think that's an important disclaimer because I, I I do talk a lot about masculine and feminine energies, and and it's really important to me that people understand. I don't by masculine, I don't mean man, and by feminine, I do not mean woman. Um, when I was when I was uh, younger, I'm 46 now, and when I was in my mid 20s, I was just getting out of the military. At 26, I. I got out of the United States Air Force. I'd been a captain and I'd been in the military for basically 10 years. And I was so disconnected from my body. I was, I was just a head without a body, basically. And I think this is something that a lot of men and women experience in our culture. Um, but certainly if you go through, if you have a military kind of experience, like it takes what culture does already, which is to disconnect us from what I would say is our feminine capacity, man or woman or non-binary, whatever it is, just our feminine capacity to feel, to be whatever is arising in the moment through our emotions, our feelings, our, our you know, to be connected to our bodies. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to do intimate relationship in that, from that place. And Laura, it was a disaster. It was a, just a, 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 not just one disaster, but a series of disasters. Because you could say, one way you could, could, could say it, a frame, and this is the masculine feminine frame that, that I didn't, I, it was another 10 years before someone started pointing this out to me, mm-hmm. that this even existed. But essentially, I was all head, no body, trying to do intimacy with, uh, in my case, I'm attracted to women, uh, to do intimacy with women who were, who tended to be very connected to their bodies, very expressive emotionally, whether that meant, you know, the capacity for anger, for joy, for, for great empathy, great sadness, all of these feelings. But here I was so disconnected from that aspect of myself that I rejected it in them as well. Mm. So I was both, I was choosing partners who showed up with a lot of feminine capacity and connection to their feminine energy because I needed it for myself. I was so disconnected from my own feminine capacity that naturally, like in in seeking wholeness, I would choose partners who would bring that into my experience. But because I was denying it in myself, naturally then, you know, unexamined, not really, you know, completely unconscious of what I was doing, I would deny it in them also. Mm -hmm. It was a shit show. And when you say shit show, when you say deny it in them, what does that mean in real life? Like just shut it down, tell them they're crazy. Shut, yeah, exactly. Shut it down. You have no right to be angry. You have no right to be upset. You have no right to have big feelings. You know, I I remember I've worked with I've worked with 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 women um, in my coaching practice who've who've similarly who've struggled with their emotionality, and I've heard stories of fathers their fathers when they were young girls, like sitting at the dinner table and they would laugh and giggle and be expressive and the father would get angry. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because they're laughing. They're expressing mm-hmm. joy. He would get angry, get angry, tell him to, you know, stop, stop giggling, stop fucking giggling. Like telling a little girl, a little boy for that matter, to stop, basically stop having emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I so, grew up like that. I had a father who would just, I mean, he would snap and go, stop mm-hmm. that, stop that, stop that. And it was like, like nails on chalkboard to him. And then the yeah. grandkids came, my son and my brother's kids, stop, stop. And you just watch him get Amazing. viscerally uncomfortable, right? With any displays that were louder or bigger, not in yes. control. Yeah. Not, that, not in control. That's right. And that's so when I talk about masculine and feminine energies, I'm talking about first and foremost, the masculine and feminine energies in every individual human being and our relationship to them. And secondary then, how we express that through relationship with another human Mm -hmm. being, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, as within, without, if we aren't comfortable with our feminine energy in our own bodies, how the hell are we going to be comfortable with the feminine energy emanating from the partner we choose? Mm. Or not. Right. So if we're not comfortable with the feelings arising within us, allowing ourselves to have the bigger emotions, allowing ourselves to laugh exactly. and sing and, and, and experience all the array of it, then when the other person, it mirrors back our own discomfort. Exactly. We're going to want to shut that down. It, doesn't, yeah. it won't feel safe even. Yeah. And so it's a real tragedy and it hurts everybody. Mm-hmm. Everybody suffers in that. You know, I, I feel sometimes like as men, especially... We, we've been set up to fail in intimacy. You know, this book, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. You know, there's about 60 essays in this book that, that really take the reader through my own journey of first, I mean, the first chapter is, uh, the title of it is, No One Ever Taught Me How to Be a Man. Yeah. That's the first chapter. And in the first few paragraphs, what I'm also describing is how misogyny was cooked into my thinking as a child. And not just misogyny against women, but I mean misogyny against all things feminine, including my own body, yeah. including my own emotions. Boys don't cry. Don't be a pussy. You know, uh, these win at all costs. It doesn't matter what you feel. You get on that field and you, 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 you chase that ball, stupid ass ball. You chase that ball. <laughs> I don't care if you have to break your head. You chase that ball, like football. You know, you pound your body, but you get that ball over the goddamn end zone line. Yeah. I don't care who you have to hurt, including yourself. <laughs> like right. these, are the, these are the messages that boys yeah. grow up with. And then somehow we're supposed to do intimacy with a, a, another human being who actually, you know, as our complement is going to naturally want to express a lot of feelings and, and aliveness. And I mean, that's, that's what relationship helps us experience is aliveness and vitality and joy and, and sadness, all the feels. But then we want to shut it down because it doesn't feel safe. I mean, again, yeah. it's, we're set up to fail. It's a yeah. real tragedy. No, it's, this just so resonates with me. Like my, my son was two or three years old and he had a freak out. <laughs> We're sitting in my bathroom. And I just remember this visceral rising up in me that I had been taught, shut it down, shut it down. It's got to stop. And I was like, oh, 
can't do that. Don't want to do that. This is before I got into all this work and worked on myself, but it was the beginning of it for me. Like I was like, wow, look at how uncomfortable I am that he's having a normative experience of like a three-year-old just screaming his head off. He's going to stop, but I don't need to stop him, right? Prematurely. I don't need to create a boundary around that expression. I just, it's energy. It's going to move through. Yeah. Then he'll calm down and he needs love. He needs space. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's rough. So um, thanks for doing that. And thanks for that beautiful explanation. Um, you, you've done this seven, you know, all these essays over all these years. Why now? Why release this book now? It's great. Explaining question. the title. What yeah. does this all mean to you at this particular moment? Yeah, this, this book is, is a capstone of the work that I've done for the last, I mean, professionally for the last seven or eight years and working with couples, but just personally, the work that I've done for the last 20, 20 years, 25 years, um, this book is a capstone to that journey, to that, to that body of work, if you will. Um, I'm moving more in the direction now of working with men really helping men. I, I think, I think women are, are in general, f- 20 to 30, 20 to 50 years ahead of men when it comes to sort of personal growth and development. I think women are just, it's just, you've had to. It's sort of the nature of the the pendulum swinging away from oppression towards expression. But men, we haven't had to do this work. It's, you know, it's been our world largely for forever. And now through a lot of just the, the societal pressures, the, the, the societal change that's happening, more and more men are coming to the realization that we can't get away with our, of, of, of our adolescent behavior like we used to. You know, the transparency of the internet, the, the fact that more and more women are stepping into leadership roles and, and are learning about boundaries and learning to to self care and and women have more access to their own resources and their own influence. They don't need men. We aren't needed like we used to be needed. And so, anyway, as more and more men are waking up and going, "Oh shit, something's not working. I I need help. I need support." You know, I and and other men are. I'm stepping more into the role of of helping men find that support and do that work. And um, so this book is, it really, it feels really good to have this book out there because, um, you know, all of these words, all of these, these stories that I tell in here and, and, and so many actual practices and tools and the people, things people can do, language tools that they can use to communicate well, navigate conflict, even navigate jealousy, things like this. Um, it's all in this book. And this is really, as I said, like a capstone. It's like my master, my master work of the last, you know, seven to twenty years of my life. That ah, now that that's out, now I can move on and begin and really step powerfully into this next phase of my of my own journey as a both as a as a, a coach and a and a teacher myself, but also just as a man, always evolving yeah. and, and learning and growing myself. Well, I've always appreciated you because I do think more men stepping up who are like you. I mean, whenever I describe you coming on the show, it's like, he's a total dude, but he's like talking Mm. about feelings and relationships (laughs) and intimacy. And it's like, there's not a lot of Uh people like that, right? Who are willing. There's men who have like a connection to themselves and their emotions Mm. and, and care about these things, but it's almost like 
that's not cool to talk about in in culture. Yeah. So I love that yeah. you just fly forward with it and give other men the opportunity to get the space to talk about it within themselves. You know, um, yeah. So thank you for yeah. that. And and I and just a you know I, I am just a dude. I am I'm <laughs> you know I have I have think I have a deep deep spirituality, a deep spiritual practice, and and. <sighs> But I'm also just a dude, you know. I, I do. I, I still struggle with emotions. I still feel that part of me that I'm watching a movie with my lady, and it's I'm starting to get emotional, and I can still see. I feel the part of me that tenses up, that says, Mm-mm, "Uh-uh, don't cry. It's not safe. It's not safe. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't let her see it." Ah, <sighs> you know, and and it's still. I want to say effort, but the irony is it's a, it, it's it's a relaxing of effort mm-hmm. to allow myself to feel that that is required that I'm in the practice of, and it ain't easy for me. You know, I'm I'm still growing, evolving, changing, and and you know, big time props, respect, appreciation to my partner Sylvie for for being a partner with me on this journey because. You know, it's through her own mastery and her own practice of being emotional and allowing herself to cry almost daily that um, has helped me access those parts of me even more as well. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to say, I'd probably take a little liberty here in calling you a dude. I mean, this, <laughs> I say that with, with um, total respect. You've, um, You've been a mentor to me. Your breadth of information is endless. The the amount of uh, work you've done for others within yourself. But what I I just want to say to the audience, and I know you know this, but the, it's like the relatability of like a guy's guy. Like you, I don't know that there's that many guys who who have the mm. um, the feeling that you know you were in the military you're like living your mm-hmm. life you're like speaking mm-hmm. from a perspective i think of what a lot of men won't speak from and it's mm-hmm. not trying to just stay in a spiritual realm all the time it's being very yeah. grounded and real and this is how like you have sections about you know pornography and like you know all these different things yeah. it's like really yeah. what's on a guy's mind so that's what i mean yeah. by that Thank um you. yeah so tell me about these sections before i jump into a handful of them that i want to you know, just dive into with you, but yeah. I loved your section titles and I don't usually do this on people's yeah, books, but yeah. preparations, dancing with fire, transcending the fire. Yeah, um, yeah. They're so beautiful. What, what inspired those? Thank to you. Be? Yeah. You know, I, I've, for many years, I've been framing, I've been using this metaphor of relationship as, as a transformational fire. It's, in a way, it's kind of tragic that our intimate relationships have become, for men especially, I think for women too in many ways, surely, but I think for men particularly, intimate relationships have become transformational fires within which the, the adolescent boy in us, kind of uh, the adolescent psychology that doesn't really serve us as adults, goes to die in a way, so that the man, the, the adult psychology can emerge. You know, we don't have boyhood to manhood initiation rites of passage anymore. And that's where a lot of that work should be done amongst mm-hmm. men, you know, for men, I'm speaking specifically for, for men in particular, doing, tra- whatever you're, what, and when I say men, I don't mean heterosexual men. I just mean anyone who identifies as a man 
we need to gather with other men and have wise elder men helping to helping us find our way into um, a mature expression of our manhood. We don't have that. That doesn't really exist for the vast majority of men on the planet. And so what happens is our intimate relationships become those transformational fires. It's not the right place for it, but that's where it happens these days, unfortunately. I know a lot of, a lot of uh, people who are in relationship to men who know what I'm talking about, who really feel that the, who have experienced the adolescent um, existence of, yeah. of many men go up. Yep. I recognize that. Wow. He was very, I loved him, but he was very childlike. He didn't want to take responsibility. He didn't want to be committed. He didn't, he resisted relationship all the while, like all of these things that show up as, you know, he still wanted his freedom. He wanted so much space. He, he said he wanted to be here, but he clearly really didn't. He was checked out into pornography or his work or, or his hobbies or something. So, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. so these chapter titles though, so coming back to that, you know, so the transformational fires, because looking back over my own life, I realized that that's exactly what my experience was. Like no one else was initiating me into manhood. So I chose women unconsciously. I chose intimate partners who, with whom I would burn. I would, it would be so uncomfortable. It would be so like, again, I would never have consciously chose that, but my, my, it's like my soul needed that container for transformation. There were no elder men stepping up to help. So women, I guess it's your job. Horrible, mm-hmm. horrible, horrible, but that's the way of things. So this book, uh, a guide, the subtitle is a guide for your journey through the transformational fires of love and intimacy. And as I was, as I was reflecting over all of these essays over many years, one of the great questions I had was, well, how do I organize this? Yeah. Because I don't just want to, it, it has to have an arc. There's an, a, a, there's an arc of a journey here. And I'm thinking of the reader and I want them to go on this, this arc of, of journey that I went on. Um, and so I realized like this metaphor of the fire that there was, as I looked at my journey and I looked at all of these essays, I realized, wow, okay, so step one, I was preparing for it. I was preparing. There were a lot of things I was starting to wake up to, right? So starting to, there were a lot of practices I started doing while I was single, before I met Sylvie, before I really was, you know, it's so easy to study relationship, to think, oh, I I can, I'm going to make the best relationship ever next time I'm in one when you're not in it. So easy to be optimistic, (laughs) right? And then... Then you get into a relationship and that's part two, dancing in the fire. Mm-hmm. That's part two of the book. And now I'm dancing in it. And I love the, the juxtaposition of dancing and fire because f- fire's hot. It burns. You don't want to dance in it. You want to get the hell out of it as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of us do. And when we get into intimate relationship, a few months in, we, you know, everything's great for the first couple dates, first couple weeks, if you're lucky, the first couple months. And then the shit starts. Then the folk, whoa, you didn't tell me about, you didn't, you didn't tell me this about you on the first date. Who the hell are you? Who am I choosing <laughs> you? 
whoa, why am I so uncomfortable right now? Why am I wanting to run? Or why am I running? Uh, so that's when all the, here comes the fire. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us want to jump out of the fire because we don't want the transformation. We want to stay the same as we were before. Um, so dancing in the fire in that whole, whole second section is all about that. Okay, now we're in it. Ooh, let's burn. Let's allow all of the stuff to arise. Here it is. Now we're cooking. And, how, and what does it mean to just be, be in it? Right? So in that second section, I have chapters like, um, oh, here's one. Men need safe places to feel angry. I think for uh, uh, one of the great, one of the first go-to emotions for men is anger. Anger, because there's power in it. Yeah, and and it's the only it's the only emotion that's really. It's men have a we have a strange schizophrenia around anger because we know it's not tolerated. Like it's it's because it can be dangerous. It's, we've only seen it used to destroy, but it's also it's also the one emotion that we feel safe in in a way like where it's our go-to mm-hmm. so get it's control a we, and we get control exactly but what happens when we don't know what to do with it we end up we usually end up hurting hurting the people we love the most mm-hmm. right so there's a there's a there's an essay in here about what we need what we can do to express that anger in safe and safe and, and constructive ways that's being in the fire in the fire yeah. of our own anger yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like anger is not a problem. It's just um, how to use it in a way that doesn't harm the person you're with, but exactly um, express it without lashing exactly. out towards somebody. Or, exactly. Or harming ourselves by just yeah. swallowing it and pretending it isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So, and hey, then part three, just from, to, yeah, go okay. Ahead. No, please. Should I just, I'll just finish the, yeah, the part three, trans, transcending the fire. Now we're, now we're into, you know, the, the, oh, it's like now it's like, okay, we're in the fire. It's actually, oh, I kind of like it. It's kind of warm and toasty. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of like, okay. I'm, I'm, it's almost like I'm merging with the fire. I am the fire. Um, you know, so we, in, in this section, I'm talking about things about like uh, being with jealousy, you know, how to beat jealousy, not by making it go away, but by being with it. Uh, talking about now how to how to navigate um, these. Here, here's one 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 chapter titled is uh, the one misunderstanding that routinely ruins relationships. That's one that I want to get to. I love that one. Oh, great, great. <laughs> yeah. So that's like you know that's how to navigate these differences that arise in in almost every relationship that will never go away. Mm-hmm. So how do we navigate those? How do we yeah. transcend it? Not make it go away, but Get, learn how to just really be be with it. Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks for explaining that. I was reading them and I'm like, I know there was thought behind these because they're they're oh, kind of yeah. deep and and nice. You said something before. I just want to back up and then I'm going to move forward. But you said that um, there's this adolescent phase and there's no adult men helping take the yeah. adolescent phase into the um, a uh, more mature version of a man, and you listed things real quick, and I just want to come back to that because I think it's really important. Um, you know, you said things like uh, freedom, space, bearing yourself in work, uh, saying you're committed but you're not really committed. Why? Why? I mean, those are are <laughs> resistance, resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Why are those part of the adolescent phase, and where does that come from? 
you know, I, in the last few, you know, during the time of our election last year, I think we saw a lot of great examples of, of men who wanted to save things, save the world, save the election, save democracy, save America, save whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was reflecting on that because clearly it wasn't, they weren't saving anything. They were just making things into a bigger shit show. Mm. And I remember there's, there's something in boy, adolescent boy psychology. There's a, an archetype of the hero. And the hero is an adolescent archetype. An adolescent, a masculine, let's see, how do I say that? An, uh, an adolescent archetype of masculine uh, expression. The hero. And the hero is only concerned with saving something. And you'll see this a lot in relationships where a man may enter a relationship and he wants to save his partner by fixing her or him for that matter. He wants to save something, right? But see, a man in his mature adult psychology isn't concerned with saving so much as serving. A man, an, an adult wants to serve. Hmm. Because it's not about me anymore. The hero is all about me looking big. I want to be the one who saves. I want to be the one who catches the, the touchdown in the end zone at the end of the game. I want to be, yeah, I remember when I was a boy, I would do this all the time, you know, being on a basketball court all by myself. And I'd count down five, four, three, <laughs> and I'd do you know, the last, he hits the jumper at the last and he wins and the crowd goes wild. Like every boy has played that game in one form yeah. or another way. He's the one that saves the day. Yeah. Um, as adults, we're not worried about if I'm the one who saves. We're, what we're focused on is how do I serve? How do mm. I take responsibility for serving my community, for serving my family, for serving my partner, for, and myself too, not, not, not one or the other, but how do I serve the whole? And so in, when, when someone who hasn't made that transition, and that's just one example, of kind of the difference between adolescent and adult psychology. But um, when a man hasn't made that transition and, and, and I find a lot of men, you know, I think, I think when men, the earliest it seems these days that men start to, to even be confronted with the limits of their adolescent thinking, adolescent psychology is in their late thirties, late thirties, right around the age of 40. There's something that happens and it's often a relationship, an intimate relationship that isn't going the way they want it to, that starts to, but they want, it's, it's one they want to be in, mm-hmm. but it's not going the way they want it to. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, what, do I, what am I supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. That's when all of a sudden the beginning of, whoa, am I really ready to take responsibility? Um, for for being in a relationship, take responsibility for, for example, for how my choices affect my partner. Yeah. And in our adolescence, we don't want to take any responsibility. That's that's like your feelings are your fault. Your feelings are your deal. I don't want any responsibility for it. Unless, unless, Laura, I can save you from them. <laughs> right. If I can fix you, if I can just say something and it makes you happy again, oh, then yeah, I'll do that all day long. 
But if I, if I figure out, and we all do, that no matter what I say, I'm not going to be able to fix you, save you, you know, make you happy, make everything good again, then I'm out. I don't want any responsibility because I don't know what to do with it. And that's you know, kind of a mark of adolescent psychology in relationship. I'm only in if I can be the savior. Right. If I can't, I'm not interested. Right. It's too complicated. Don't, 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 <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather, I'd rather just go figure out how to make money because that's way easier. Yeah. Or, you know, let me go yeah. on an adventure. I, is that, is that, does that make sense? A hundred percent. And I just sort of like thinking like, wow, we could probably talk about this for the full hour. Um, yeah. Yeah. Dude, why, why is intimacy so hard? Why, why? I mean, people say fear, right? Fear of love, fear of, uh, vulnerability, mm-hmm. fear of commitment, fear of facing their internal feelings, mm-hmm. fear, 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 fear versus love. Yeah. Like Marianne Williamson, right? You're in the path of fear, yeah. you're in the path of love. Right. But intimacy, right? Like so many people struggle um, to get past and invested, involved, connected to themselves, to yeah. others. Why? Why is this so hard? I mean, we talked a little bit, I know about. Um, it's shutting down, right? In our childhoods, we're not able to express our feelings. We're not able to connect to them. I'm sure that is a big piece of it. But I mean, I guess I'm looking like you've written all of this. You've thought about it for so long. Like if you had to kind of come to have a coming to Jesus with what it is exactly, yeah. what, what's at the core of intimacy being such a challenge for so many couples? So I've, I, about a year ago, uh, maybe two years ago, I, I formulated. A, a map for men called the five pillars of a thriving man. And those five pillars are purpose, intimacy, brotherhood, family, and spirituality. Now, intimacy is interesting because it's one of those five pillars. And when people think of intimacy, the naturally the first thing we think of is there's a, there's got to be someone else around to have intimacy, mm. right? Intimacy is what I do with someone else. Yeah, and I think that's the first flaw in our thinking. That's the first mistake we make. Not that that's not true, that that we do intimacy with another, but it doesn't begin there. Intimacy, as I formulate it in this in this model, the five pillars of a thriving man, is first it begins with intimacy with self. Intimacy with self. You know, one of the things that we do in men's in men's work when we when we meet in a group um, is we we do a check in, which is basically how are you feeling? What are you feeling? Almost without fail, men when they start doing that practice, they won't tell you what they're feeling. They'll tell you everything they're thinking. <laughs> and by the way, a lot of women will do the same. Yeah. How are you feeling? Well. You know, I've been, I was really nervous for this session today. You know, I had a really rough week. You know, um, my boss was kind of a dick this week. And so, you know, yeah. So there's very little talk of feeling in what I just said. Yeah. A lot of story, a lot of intellectual rumination and, and storytelling in that. And so I think, I think intimacy, I'll, I'll give you a great definition of intimacy. Hey Brian, real quick for people, yeah. just... You gave that version, and so that same person speaking up, what would it sound like if 
if they oh. spoke from feeling, right? Oh, yeah. Because there's some people out there that are like, that. well, I think that was feeling. What was wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great, great point. So um, checking in with, with what I'm feeling, uh, I, feel some, I feel soreness in my shoulders. I feel hunger. I feel, uh, I feel hunger in my belly. I feel, I feel sad. I feel tired. I feel angry. Mm. Another thing people will do when we're talking about this is I- I'm a little angry. I'm a little frustrated. You know, again, <laughs> we'll minimize a feeling because, well, you know, eh, we're measuring it rather than just I'm angry or uh, and see, likewise, I'm angry because. Yeah, I was just going to say, the first thing, yeah, the first thing we want to do is go, well, why are you angry? What's going exact. on? And now we're, we're, now we've actually, we're leaving the body. We're, we're no longer being intimate with what's arising. I'll give you a great definition that one of my teachers gave to me years ago that was really, I mean, it's so simple, but it was profoundly um it altered my own experience of intimacy. His name's Steve James. And he said, intimacy is simply feeling what is there to be felt and seeing what is there to be seen. To take that a little further, one thing he said is intimacy in in this definition, it doesn't require consent because I'm not violating you. I'm not moving into your boundaries without your permission. I'm simply feeling what is there to be felt. If there's something that is there to be felt, I'm feeling it. If there's something there to be seen, I'm seeing it. So like, you know, when I shared earlier, my shoulders, I'm I'm noticing there's tension in my shoulders. I'm noticing uh, that I feel, I feel energized. And what's bizarre when I really get intimate with myself is I I do feel energized, Laura, and I also feel tired at the same time. I feel both of these things. And Brian, it's so critical because for myself, at least, it's like that practice for me is curiosity without judgment, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a, an awareness without the awareness without thinking gives me the opportunity to be curious about my internal states. Like, oh, I'm wearing a blue and red shirt. I'm feeling a little tension in my chest. Interesting. Totally. Right? Like that's it. You don't need to narrate. Yeah. You don't because the next that's thing right. we do is, oh, why? What is that? Oh, it's because so and so. And or I have to do something about it, or that's, that's bad. Right. right. And we start to create a sense of right or wrong or judgment, yeah. or it shouldn't be, or it's somebody's right. fault, or what have you. Um, but there's there's always a problem around feelings. <laughs> it's not just it is. Well, like you just said, it, it, it also, uh, where our program is, I have to do something about it. And now we're in the problem solving mode. We're in fix it mode. And that connection doesn't happen in fix it mode. Mm-mm. We're not connecting in fix it mode. You know, I, I always, I'm always telling couples, reminding couples that no good solutions come from a state of disconnection. Yeah. And if we're not connecting, and connection happens through a shared experience of through a, a felt experience. It doesn't happen, not an in intimacy um, between again a, a kind of a, in a masculine and feminine dance of intimacy. Connection happens through a flow of feeling between us. And if I'm trying to fix you because I can't feel anything because I'm in my story, 
and I'm just trying to give you solutions to what I think your problem is. Well, I mean, I think a lot of us have enough experience to know that doesn't ever go well. So uh, again, just because I think so many people struggle with this. So you're sitting with your partner, your partner says, my shoulders are tense. My stomach feels a little pit. What does the other person do if they don't fix it? Because that's yeah. like that's the that's that horrible discomfort yeah. that we all learned we needed to do something with or leave, yeah. right? So or leave, right? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. well, if I can't fix it, then this is really fucking awkward. Going back to my kid, right, in the bathroom. So I just want yeah. to bolt, right? So what's the solution for people who are new to this or haven't really thought about it? Your partner expresses whatever. I'm stressed. I feel anxious. I feel hungry. What, what, yeah. What's the next step? That's a great, that's a great, <laughs> great and massive question. But what's the I, next I, non-step? <laughs> I actually, I actually teach a, a whole practice around this. Um, it's in, it's in um, uh, my. I have an online course called the Conflict to Connection Program that I did with my my spouse Sylvie. Um, we we oh, teach sure. this. We teach that. Yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah, we teach this distinction. This practice. Um, but I'll give you the shorthand version of it right now. There's, there's actually, to your point, there's, there's what, uh, and this is, um, I, I've, I learned part of this from the school of nonviolent communication, that there are these, that there are these ways we normally respond that are not connecting. They're just totally disconnecting. And I won't go into those. There's, there's seven main ones. Uh, that I won't go into those um, right now, but what I because I, I wanted to share you share with you what what can be done instead is that's um, really simple, not easy, but simple. It's acknowledge versus acknowledge. Okay, yeah, you're sad. Just being with you're sad. Okay, it's like just I'm with you in it. All right, you know if you're sad, if you're angry, okay, it, you, you, it's like. You know, you're allowed to be angry. It's a way of yeah. saying you're allowed to be angry. Yeah. It's okay that you're angry, period. Yeah. Notice yeah. it's not, you're allowed to be angry. Let's fix it. It's just, okay, uh, you're angry. I'm, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm with you in it. I get it. I understand. So acknowledge and reassure. So this two-step response is to just say acknowledge. One of the things that we often get tripped up around which is why we go into fix it mode is because we think acknowledging means agreeing with mm-hmm. and it doesn't mm-hmm. you can acknowledge your partner's feeling without necessarily agreeing with the cause of it mm-hmm. that's what why also yeah what if they're blaming you or that they're they're it's coming towards you well, if there's, if there's a lot of blame going on in a relationship, I strongly encourage people to work with a therapist or a coach to help break that pattern because that's yeah. really hard to... It's really hard to be with your partner's upset when they're blaming you for it. Okay. That's very wanted, challenging. Yeah. I wanted to make sure to say that because I don't want people to walk around thinking, oh, they're angry and it's coming at me and they're blaming yeah. me for it and that's okay. It's just like you said this yeah. earlier, so I think it's worth saying... Being angry is fine. Blaming yeah. other people or directing it at others is is where the trouble happens. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, when I when I in that one article, that one essay in the book that I talked about, men need safe places to feel angry. What I'm really pointing at is is we need to learn how to express our anger sideways, not at our partners. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm working with a man right now who who has 
who's who in his anger in his eruption of anger he calls his partner names mm-hmm. that is that will destroy the relationship yeah but he's not going to just be able to suddenly turn off his anger right like there's there's a lot of momentum going in that anger so what we're working with him is how to express it sideways you know even if that looks like getting a getting a doll or getting some kind of a toy or something that he can direct his anger at that he can when he notices that it's starting to come up at his woman he can run to another room he can take himself to another room and curse the curse that doll to high heavens <laughs> right you know or one of my favorites is 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 having citrus fruit and around handy and going into the garage or going into the backyard or something and just taking citrus fruit and smashing it into the ground. Mm. You know, it's so satisfying for me. I, you know, that percussive, like just smash of fruit on the ground <laughs> is so satisfying to my anger. Because uh, anger is looking for a release. I mean, yeah. anger, is, anger is, is both protective. My partner just became a threat and now I'm angry. Mm. And if I come at you, obviously I'm only going to do damage with that anger, whether it's verbal, physical, doesn't matter if I'm coming at you, it never serves. No. So that's the first step is learning how to go sideways with it. And there's all kinds of different tools and practices. Um, but yeah, it's never okay to, to, to come at your partner with, eh, but that's one of the skills that both men and women, we all need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for explaining yeah. that. So, all right. I got to talk to you about a couple of these. The stages of love. Um, I like, I don't even know what to say, right? Like that's so fucking good. But um, you say the only way to a lasting fulfillment in relationship is by offering my love freely without expecting. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, I think I'm almost 50. I think I finally almost got this. It's like Mm -hmm. taken me my whole life, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm still working on it too. Oh my God. I mean, everybody thinks um, I give my love and then I get it back. Or what did you do with my love? Or how are you treating my love? And it's this whole weird relationship we have to the idea of love, right? So you talk about these three stages. um, (laughs) I need you to love me. Uh, I will love myself. And then I am love itself, which is so beautiful. Um, Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to that and what that means to you? Yeah, definitely. I, I, um, you know, I first learned of this of of uh, of a model like this from uh, David Data, the teacher David Data, who wrote the book "The Way of the Superior Man" many years ago. Now, my now I've I've I'd come to learn that the model of of codependence through to interdependence, another this three stage model exists throughout sort of psychology and and relational. Uh, dynamics work. What's been so eye-opening for me um, around these three stages is I can see how I can move through all three stages in less than 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like for example, my, my wounded, scared, little survival-minded ego, anytime my partner says something that feels remotely threatening to me, my that little part of me that's so terrified I'm going to die is the first one that comes online. The codependent, that's the codependent part of me, this first stage codependent part that just doesn't want to be controlled, but also doesn't want to be abandoned. (laughs) 
it's kind of a, you know, oh. again, here we are, another shit show. <laughs> my God, that's like the worst one, right? You're like, oh my God, I feel controlled. And oh my God, don't leave me. And exactly. oh my God, I want to control you. And it's just this horrible dance. And you think about it, that's also, I mean, that's a natural first stage of, of any human's evolution. As babies, we're born completely codependent on caretakers to, to continue showing up for us. Because if they don't, we're dead. We will right. physically be dead. And we learn, you know, through the, the first five to 10 years of our life that, okay, I need to be a certain way or this person, they could leave me and I will die. I don't know how to take care of myself, like, literally. Mm. But most of us, you know, we bring that into our adult relationships because again, we have, you know, we don't typically have, a lot of our parents were also adolescent in, in an extended adolescence um, and so they didn't really give us the tools on how to be healthy, functioning, emotionally integrated adults. So we take that codependence into our adult relationships. This is why, you know, the thought of breaking up with someone like in our twenties or thirties is like, oh my god, I can't do this. I'm going to die if they leave me or if I leave. Like it's like death. Yeah. And it is to some degree a sort of death. You know, is, you're never going to see this person again. So I, I don't want to minimize that. It is a death of sorts. But the way our nervous systems react to it, it's very childlike in that I can't let go or I'll die. Yeah. I can't behave, I can't be true to myself or I'll die. I can't speak out for what I really want or I'll die. Mm. And that's for a lot of people. I mean, we maintain that orientation throughout our entire lives. Now, a lot of our culture, I think, leans in the direction of this stage two work of independence, becoming independent, doing, doing boundaries work. That's the work of independence. You know, really finding out who am I? Who am I independent of another person? And, you know, I remember when I came out of um, my, my really, uh, really difficult relationship before I met Sylvie. It was a five-year relationship and it was extremely codependent. And I remember coming out of that thinking, I, I had this sort of, my battle cry was, you know, no woman will ever again make me responsible for her happiness. And I won't ever again make a woman responsible for mine. That's the, that's the stage two battle cry. You know, I'm independent, you're independent. You take care of you, I'll take care of me. Right. It's a totally understandable evolutionary step out of codependence. But that doesn't make for a really rich relationship. No. No. And that's where this third stage work of interdependent work comes into play. And yeah, I mean, Laura, we could do an entire, we could talk for that for hours. We could do a whole episode on that. And, but it, it, th th this three stages model, which I write about in, in the book, um, I'm always, it helps me check in with where am I coming from right now? Am I in this wounded codependent child right now? And Laura, I go there regularly. I was there thanks last for, night. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> for saying that. Like, again, that's yeah. what I love about you. It's like so many people make it seem that we're supposed to evolve past yeah. these things. And it's not, it's like living with the realities of this human experience, but yeah. not getting trapped in them. Right, seeing alternatives, just not getting trapped. You know, learning to stay there for no more than 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then yeah. okay, you know, having tools and practices to calm myself down, to soothe myself, because my partner can't soothe me when she's also triggered in that moment, and she's in her <laughs> wounded codependent child. 
We can't sue each other. Oh my God. Right? And so many people come to each other in that state. And that's when you get those banana fights because it's nobody, there's no adult in the room. There's no adult in the room. Yes. It's, there's no adult in the room. It's just two kids battling it out and it doesn't go well. No. So, yeah. So, you know, having tools. And again, in the book, I offer so many different tools and practices for, okay, coming, getting, bringing the adult back online so that uh, I can then show up. You know, I've learned, for example, Laura, I have learned to, you know, I, I've apologized in past relationships, but I would always apologize from the wounded child place. I would say, I'm sorry, because I know if I don't say I'm sorry, mommy's going to leave me. Right. Now, now I've learned to apologize from in that more third stage play, the integrated place of, okay, wow, I'm sorry, not because I'm afraid you're going to leave me, but I'm sorry because I fucked up and I love mm. you and I'm yeah. in. And oh. I'm here. I'm back. I'm here. The adult is here. I comfort you. I'm, I, you know, I apologize for, for the way that I showed up. And and we can repair. You know, the magic is in the repair. And so, you know, that this three stage model has really helped me navigate yeah. that. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, good intentions are mostly irrelevant when your partner uh, is hurting. Uh, I was like, bam. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like who has yeah. not? Everybody listening, come on. Yeah. Who has not been like, oh my God, but that was not my intention. It doesn't matter yeah. what you're saying because it wasn't my intention. It wasn't my intention. It wasn't my intention. I think I've spent innumerable hours of my life talking about my intentions. Um, but the oh, reality yeah. that I've come to is like, you're hurting. Like you're hurting. I'm hurting. You're hurting and I'm hurting. So who... Yeah. I don't know. Does it matter what the intention was when you're hurting? I mean, so talk to me about that. I mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it's a matter of uh, timing, because of course intentions matter. Yeah, but and this goes back to the, that that practice we were talking about earlier: the acknowledging and reassuring. Usually, and and what I had said earlier about no good solutions come from a state of disconnection. Usually, when I'm trying to explain my intentions, it's because my partner's upset. And I think I have this del- delusion that if, if she just sees what I meant, oh my God, she'll immediately get over her upset. Immediately. <laughs> immediately. Why immediately. wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she? Of course, because, because I, mean, I, I make perfect sense. Exactly. And when you see my sense, you're just, the whole thing will go away. Exactly. Oh, it makes and that me nuts. Never happens that way. It no. never happens that way because we're disconnected in that moment. My partner's feeling disconnected. And here I am trying to bring her back into connection through some logical bypass of what's going on. Of, of she's ha- she's upset. She's having a and here we go. Come, we'll bring it full circle. She's having a, f- a feminine expression experience of an emotion that's arising. And I'm trying to meet it with logic, with my logic, with perspective. It's not that I'm wrong, but what I'm doing is not connecting. It's just not connecting. And so, you know, what was that? What was that chapter title? Your good intentions are mostly, right, in parentheses, mostly irrelevant when your partner is hurting. And it is mostly because until she feels validated in her upset until she hears me just say, you know what? I see, I see that that hurt you. 
I, I see it. I see it. You're hurting. You're upset. You're angry. And look, I, this is much easier in a conversation like you and I are having right now than in the actual moment. I get that. Yeah. I, that's why I say it. this yeah. stuff is simple, not easy. Yeah. But it's... Well, because you want to be right, right, Brian? I mean, in that moment, you don't want to just validate the person because you're so fixated on being right and like yeah. proving yourself. And, you know, there's a whole different mindset. What you said yeah. earlier, I just want to remind the audience of is so important in that moment is this idea of um, the person is hurting and you don't have to agree with what they're telling yeah. themselves, but you can't bypass it, right? And that's a really profound detail, but it's kind of like everything's in there. I always feel like, well, if I agree with this, then they're just going to want to do this all the time. And it's setting up some weird, you know, uh, oh, totally. There's so much in this because, because what I'm essentially doing, if I'm not validating, acknowledging her experience right there. And again, it's different from agreeing with, but if the, the conclusions are the reasons why it's happening, if I'm not validating it, essentially what I'm telling her is, you're crazy. You're crazy to be thinking what you're thinking. And that, so I have two of the distinctions I teach. I teach the, the, the sort of the core fears of the masculine and the feminine. The core fear of, of the masculine is, I'm a fuck up. I did it. I did wrong. I did something wrong. It's doing, because masculine is, all, is, is, we could say, is, is our doing nature. And our feminine is our being nature. And to tell someone you're crazy, that is a vile, that is that 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 is like stabbing the, the core feminine fear that I'm being, my mm. being is wrong. Right. Shame. My being is just wrong. It's sh- exactly it's shame. It's utterly shaming to the feminine aspect of any person. Yeah. And so when I'm just immediately meeting with logic, but see, there's the fear there. This is the conundrum because I'm afraid I did something wrong and that's why you're angry. And I want to show you that I did not do anything wrong because my, my masculine, that, that core masculine doing nature of, of is like, oh shit, she thinks I did something wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. I need to show you that I didn't do wrong. <laughs> She's over here just thinking he thinks I'm crazy or she thinks I'm crazy. It's again, it's like we're not even having the same conversation. No, no. We're not even arguing over the same thing. And that's why it's so maddening. (laughs) Yeah. Once we start to see it now. Okay. So it's, it's not that my intentions don't matter because of course they matter. Because if I didn't have good intentions, my partner should leave me. Don't ever stay with someone who doesn't have good intentions. Yeah. Why do that? That's horrible. Right. But I generally believe in the vast majority of relational experience dynamics, both people have the best of intentions. Nobody goes into a relationship thinking, I can't wait to fuck up this person's life. I'm sure that (laughs) happens, but it's exceedingly rare. And I think on balance, we all have good intentions. But this this bypass of, of the feminine experience doesn't serve us. It just yeah. keeps us disconnected. Well, I, I mean, we could just go and go and go. If, yeah. you, if you were to pick a takeaway for, from this book, what's really in your heart that you want the audience to hear, what you feel like, yeah. you know, all these hours of writing and thinking and um, 
you know, I was thinking about like, if you were raising a young boy today, yeah. or if you met a new couple, which I'm sure you do, um, what is it that you feel um, you'd like to leave people with in terms of these relational dynamics that, you know, um, we, we want love. We want, we want to feel connected. We want the yeah. intimacy to ourselves. We want to feel safe. Uh, we want to yeah. feel we've upheld our boundaries. We want to feel respected. All these things people struggle yeah. with so much. What would you say in all of this that uh, your words of wisdom, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's this, there's a perpetual myth that relationships should just be easy. That when you meet the one, it should just work without you having to put in any work. Uh, or there shouldn't be doubts or conflict or disagreements or even any significant discomfort. And it's a really damaging myth because it it causes it causes us, men and women alike, regularly to turn away from from people, from relationships who could actually help us heal the deep wounds that that continue to prevent us from from truly thriving in life and in relationships. And this book is essentially a deep dive into what it looks like to go on that journey of really learning how to show up for the challenges of relationship. You know, I say if, if two people are being honest with each other, relationships going to be challenging. Yeah. It's only easy when you're lying to each other. And I, that's not my definition of easy. You know, pretending that everything is okay when it ain't. Right. Right. It catches up with you for sure. It catches up. It comes out sideways. It, it and, <laughs> there, and you end up being a, inauthentic. And when you leave the relationship, you realize, wow, I haven't been myself in a long time. Absolutely. And, 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 and most people are just using what I call the wing it method of relationship. You know, we're just doing what our parents did or we're doing in something in reaction to what our parents did. And our parents, most of us, they didn't really give us good models of relationship to work with. So, you know, most of us, we need new insights. We need new skills, new practices, new understandings about ourselves and about each other. And that's ultimately what this book serves to help people attain. I love it. I love chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Likewise, um, Laura. Yeah, if anybody wants to check out the book, you, where do they go? Tell us. The- so my, my website, uh, brianreeves.com slash book. I mean, you'll, you'll see it if you just go to my website, but it's brian with a Y, reeves, R-E-E-V-E-S.com, brianreeves.com slash book. Um, even if you're, uh, you can order directly from me, for 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 to, while while I still have my own copies and but I'm I've now gotten it on uh, Amazon and uh, Barnes and Nobles and it's available around the world and different different websites but you can find it all on on brianreeves.com/book. Thank you Brian for coming on. I just love chatting with you and thank you everybody who's been listening. Um, you'll have the information on my website as well, lauraco.com. And Laura, uh, it's so easy to do this with you. So I so appreciate you. You're a a wonderful host and you ask great questions and you make this so easy. And you have have aptly named your podcast, The Art of Authenticity, uh, because you you, 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 you rock it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for coming on.